0: Hi friends, welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm so glad to be here with you today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation earlier this week with CJ Cassiata. He's so fun and so funny. And I am just loving having these dudes on talking about their books. It's super fun. Today is the same. My friend Scott Harrison came through Nashville a couple of weeks ago and I was able to sit down with him and chat about his new book, Thirst. It's a story of redemption, compassion, and a mission to bring clean water to the world. You probably know Scott's name as he is the founder and CEO of Charity Water, an incredible nonprofit organization bringing clean water to people around the world. I have been a long time fan of Charity Water and of Scott from a distance and this is our first time getting to sit down and talk and I'm telling y'all I'm so sold. I'm so sold. I'm such a fan. I'm such um, a cheerleader for him. I just think he is doing it well. You know, I think a lot of us want to make a difference like this and we don't know what it looks like in our lives. And I think Scott is going to help us figure that out. And, And so watching his life makes me braver in my life. So I'm thankful for him. So here's my conversation with Scott Harrison. Okay, so Delta, you're diamond, which means you're like that's as high as it goes,
1: yes, so what's great about Delta is that so the other the other airlines do fifty seventy five and a hundred, yep, top status. Delta skips a hundred mm-hmm. and there's the gap between seventy five and one twenty five so if you're a poor you know coach flyer like me, it makes a big difference because you kind of weed out fifty thousand miles worth yep. of people, yep. So, yeah, I'm in what we're in June and I've got 130,000. So, I'm already rolling over into next year's diamond. Oh, I mean, sorry, 2020's diamond.
0: Yeah, yeah, into 2020's diamond. You're already working toward that. I just hit, I went to China in June and so it shot me to gold already, which felt like a big, because last year gold was my highest that I hit.
1: Now, do you have the card?
0: Yeah, yeah, the card. The Delta
1: Reserve. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I have
0: the American Express card. I have a, the American Express gold that's Delta. Oh,
1: no, no. No, I need well, to go higher? Let me higher. tell you this. Okay, so they issue a card called Delta Reserve oh, boy. where you pay 400 bucks a year, yeah. which sounds expensive. I think they give you a travel credit for 200 bucks or something. Yeah. But uh, at different spend levels, they give you butt in seat miles. So they give you what? MQMs. So you, you can get, get 30,000 MQMs from the Delta card. So what I do, and actually what I've told our whole team to do, is put the business travel on your personal card, and they get reimbursed. Uh-huh. Same thing with the conference; I'll yep. book it myself. Same. So I'll get this year; I'll get forty five thousand MQMs from the card.
0: Dude, you are changing my life. So if that you have a bad amazing. year and you're
1: not flying, it, it's it's almost too good to be true. At yeah. some point, it's at called some point Delta Reserve. Delta Does Reserve. Does it get me
0: in the Sky Club too?
1: Um, I think you still have to use one of your choice benefits, yeah
0: for that, yeah, but. yeah because that's my assistant and I what we one of the reasons we pick Delta and stick with Delta is with as we do three weekends a month ish yeah. with as many times as we are in the airport, we wanted some consistency. So we know we can sit and eat and use the bathroom and we'll have the same meal yeah. and it's all taken care of in every airport just about. And you know you're always gonna get the same hummus. You're always gonna get the same popcorn. You're always gonna get the same The little
1: cube, the little kind of orange cubes of cheese. Yeah, for
0: sure. They're all there. You know exactly what you're eating and drinking. And so that's one of the reasons we went loyal with Delta. That and the fact that we fly uh, domestically so much that it books me miles for international, which is The problem
1: with me is that Newark is actually 31 minutes from the office and my home and Uh JFK is a full hour.
0: And JFK is the Delta so one.
1: Yesterday, I got lucky taking a, a rare Newark flight to Atlanta, which okay. is Delta's hub. But I'm yep. always, 95% of the time, I'm flying out of JFK. i go to go
0: JFK. Yeah. And that Sky Club is nice. i pretty nice. It has a shower. I mean-
1: It's pretty nice. I came
0: back from Israel one time and was going straight from Israel, Tel Aviv, New York to, I landed that morning and that night, I was on stage in Orlando. And so I had to shower in the mm-hmm. airport because I was like, I don't have another option <laughs> I have to go straight to speaking and it I mean I was like this is why this is why we do Delta because I love some other ones. Southwest is sweet and will get me to the yeah. beach really fast but they will not ha- help me take a shower.
1: <laughs> they won't help you shower.
0: <laughs> they will not help me shower. Um Scott, what you don't already know is that we've been friends for a long time. You just didn't know because I'm a huge fan of charity water and I have just kept up with you for a super long time watched you um, build. I used to work at Mocha Club that's here in Nashville. Okay. And so we were watching, but will you back, and and so I've just followed you for a really long time. Will you kind of back up and tell everybody about why you created Charity Water and how it came about?
1: Sure. So it was... It was really after I, I kind of have lived two very distinct chapters in life, maybe three. I know, which
0: I love. I love this part of your story. I have heard. Yeah. I think I heard you tell this at Catalyst. Would that have been yeah. true? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've spoken there a couple of times, which is a great group, by the way.
0: Oh, yeah. Tyler, uh, Reagan, and I were in college together at Georgia.
1: Oh, so cool. So we've been friends for we, two months. We, uh, we were emailing this morning.
0: Yeah, he's the best, huh? We
1: might do something uh, again in October. So, you know, the first kind of chapter of life was growing up uh, in a very Christian home in New Jersey, Philadelphia and New Jersey taking care of a mom who was really sick. Uh, when I was four, there was a carbon monoxide gas leak in our house, and this was uh, before they had invented the carbon monoxide detector, which right. we now have many. Right. Uh, and uh, it, it made my dad and I a little sick. We wound up recovering, but my mom uh, never recovered, so wow. she she became an invalid uh, when I was four. Because it was just
0: over... I mean, it was over a period of how long was it poisoning months, y'all?
1: Months, And she was months. trapped in a house in the winter fixing up the house. So I was at school oh, playing with my friends. My dad was commuting working long work hours. And, yeah. and she was just trapped. Yeah. So it, it completely shut down her immune system. Uh, it never recovered. So she would wear these bizarre charcoal masks. She was connected to oxygen. She avoided exposure from anything chemical. So mm. if, if you walked around my mom with perfume on, she would get incredibly sick. Wow. Uh, car fumes would make her incredibly sick. Wood, you know, fabric softener, wood smoke. Uh, I remember this vividly as a child that, uh, she was a journalist, so she used to love to read. And from this point on, the ink from the books, the print would make her sick. So my dad and I would either bake her books in the oven, which oh was gosh. fun as a kid, because sometimes, you know, we would turn the oven too hot and it would kind of erupt in flames. <laughs>
0: yeah. and, uh, Mom, or, we literally baked your book. <laughs> yeah,
1: we, we burnt your book. You know? yeah. <laughs> it felt so... Because uh, <laughs> that
0: would dry the ink.
1: It would dry the ink. It guess, would, uh, yeah. there, was this, there was this phrase growing up that I must have heard 10,000 times called outgassing, things uh-huh. needed to outgas. So then the second option would be in the summers, we would lay all the books out in the lawn. So I was just flipping through uh, some, some photo albums recently, and I found this picture of 60 books all out in the lawn oh in the hot gosh. sun trying to, you know, get out the print. So then right. we would take these baked or aired books. Oh, that was another thing. We would air things out. Yeah. So if I'd come home from school and I had any – I'd picked up any scent on my clothes, I would have to basically strip naked in the garage, and then there was another set of clothes that had been washed in baking soda, and then I could enter the house. Oh, wow. So then my clothes would be aired out, you know, so yeah, these outdoor yeah. clothes. Here. This so was really weird, this was all childhood. So are this you was an was only child or are there other I was kids. an only child. She miscarried what would have been my sister and then the illness, so family planning stopped. So, uh, you know, it was, it was just weird.
0: Uh, right. It was just Did you weird. know it was weird at the time? Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, changing clothes in your garage, uh, yeah, you would get that.
1: My, it was so weird that my, we would also be captive to the wind. So in this house, before we moved to the country, the wind would come off a four-lane highway, and I remember getting up in the middle of the night, jumping in a car with my mom, and we would cross the highway and just sit outside to get away just from to be away the from the fumes. the fumes. Yeah, and you know there were, we were constantly holding these little strips of paper, trying to yeah. determine which way the wind was. So oh, I knew it was weird. My mom would sit outside, and people would think she's a bag lady. They would think she's homeless. Yeah, because she would sit out in the just middle sit. of winter with yeah. a with an umbrella, trying to avoid the, uh, the heat made her sick I mean everything yeah, made her sick yeah. radio waves made her sick TV made her sick gosh. so that was what kind of chapter the sickness one look
0: like? what is it, would it look like the flu
1: it would look like migraines uh-huh. uh hypertension swelling so her face would turn beet red and and uh, swell grotesquely oh um, nausea vomiting yeah. and, and you just and, had to take care of her the whole time and, and by the that. way there were times where I thought she was crazy I really? mean, your, your mom tells you that TV makes right. you know, her sick. they yeah. are like, no, you just don't want me to watch TV. <laughs> That's so, right. So, and I, I, I write about some of these, you know, scenes in the book, which, which was actually uncomfortable in some ways, kind yeah. of recalling some of these things I did as a kid. But there was this one time where uh, in the middle of the night, I put a radio outside her room with the volume all the way down. And I blasted her for nine hours With, with waves. But without her knowing, thinking yeah. it was psychosomatic, and right. she woke up really sick the next morning.
0: You were like, uh, "I have to tell you something."
1: <laughs> I, I don't know that I told her. I radio um, waved you. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know that I told her. But I think from yeah. that point on, you know, the doubt really yeah. faded, and yeah. wow, well, this is real. You know, how could mom have even known? She didn't know. Yeah, she wouldn't have heard it. So that was kind of chapter one, and then. At 18, you know, and, and at this point, I'm, I'm a good Christian kid. I'm playing yeah. piano on Sundays in the worship band and I don't smoke, I don't drink, I'm going to Christian school. Uh, and then I fall in with a band. So, so I go to a Christian school in the ninth grade yeah. in the basement of an Assemblies of God church. Oh, I love it. And there are nine students in my class.
0: Oh my gosh, that's it.
1: And they wheel out our teachers on VHS. Oh, okay, so gosh. remember those those gray carts oh, with kind yeah, of the rubber sure. mats? Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So our science class is some guy, you know, talking to us for uh, probably 45 minutes, yeah. and we would wear uniforms. And I remember just hating this whole experience so much oh, that I made sure. my parents buy me the uniform colored clothes, but from some different, you know, Yeah, place, that's like right. From, that's I right. don't know, wherever, wherever I was shopping at the time, just so I could express a little bit of originality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after ninth grade, I told my parents that I would, straight up run away from home Yeah. if I had to go back there for 10th grade. And then they put me in the public school with 4,000 kids. Yeah. Oh,
0: my god. So I go from
1: nine to, you know, what, uh, I think it was 1,100 kids in yeah. my class. And then everything they were afraid of happened.
0: Right. That's right. <laughs> You're like, oh, I literally was exactly what they thought of. Yeah. Yep.
1: Everything they were afraid of, you know, everything they were trying to shelter and protect me from uh, <laughs> happened. Yeah. Happened. And then that was the next 12 years of really? happening. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: 12 years Yeah. So of I, you just like, I, I remember you were a club promoter, right?
1: Yep. So 16 to 18 was falling in with a band uh, and playing gigs in Philadelphia and New York City. And then at 18, 19, I moved to New York City to try and get a record deal yeah. for the band. And, and you were we, in the band or you I were was like in the, the band. Okay. I was in the band and I was the most responsible one. I wasn't yeah. actually doing <laughs> drugs every day. You know, I was doing drugs every few days. Sure, maybe. sure, sure, sure. And, uh, and then the band broke up as bands that do drugs do. Right. And that, that's when I, I became a club promoter. And I, I just couldn't believe that, uh, you know, if you wanted to rebel, you could rebel in style in New York City by getting paid to drink alcohol and sell alcohol. Right. And you'd drink for free. Your friends would drink for free. Uh, all you had to do is fill up nightclubs with the beautiful people right. and then the rich people. Right. And these t- the collision of these two could, could make you a lot of money and a good living. So that that was then the next 10 years, which was really in some ways a blur, uh, never going, you know, walking completely away from spirituality. Did you think from
0: about God at all?
1: I, I probably would have said during that time that I hadn't lost my faith. Mm. I just had lost any will to obey yeah. anything. I yeah. mean, it was really an exploration of uh, of the opposite. You know, if if, um, if if church was a bunch of rules and things that – that I couldn't do if they were there to rain on my parade, well then I wanted to break every single rule. Right. And, you know, that led to two packs a day of smoking for ten years, heavy drinking, cocaine ecstasy, MDMA, you know, lots of marijuana, gambling, pornography, strip clubs, like pretty much everything oh, short of yeah. of mainlining heroin. Right. And that was just a part of my daily life. And yeah, the, the interesting thing was we worked at 40, my uh, different business partners and such, but I worked mm-hmm. at 40 different nightclubs over 10 years. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, you, you are the party, so the party yeah. kind of moves with you. It's not about the venue. It's about the group of people yep. that are traveling from venue to venue. And my life looked so good on the outside, and I was just completely rotting on the inside.
0: Did you feel that at the time?
1: Yeah. Did you think it, it this, was this lo, It was this it was a slow decline. Yeah. It was really just the well, I'm sadder. I'm I'm yeah. even sadder. Well, yeah. I'm actually sadder today than I was yesterday and And when um, you staying up
0: all night at clubs and then sleeping
1: It was worse, Annie. I mean, we would go to dinner at 10, the club at noon, after hours at 5, and I'd stumble home at noon. And I remember I remember this oh one night I was on gosh. I was on Houston Street in New York City. I'd been up all night. And you know, it was it was coke, and then Ambien to come down. Yeah. And I remember it was noon, and I look out this window at people on their lunch break in suits. Yeah. Like, this is how normal people are are supposed to live. Like right. they're having lunch. Right. And I'm trying to take a comforter and jam it in the window to get the room dark. Uh huh. But it's noon. It's not supposed to be dark.
0: Right. And that, but that was how you lived for ten years. Ish. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, it,
1: you know that that was towards the end. It got sure, it sure, really sure. got worse. Progress.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. I always wonder. Um, I have not been a club promoter, but in my darker days of feeling disconnected from God, I don't know if this is the right phrase. I was never brave enough to go that far because I was always more scared about following the rules. Yeah. Um, but I've always wondered if you just stop hearing God, or you just can turn him off enough.
1: Well, my parents used to use this phrase. It drove me crazy. It's such a churchy word. Oh, your conscience is seared.
0: Oh, wow. Oh.
1: and in some ways, I think they were right. You yeah. know, you, you just kind of put it. Just it gets in a smaller box, and then a smaller box, and a smaller box, and at some point, that still small voice really goes away. Yeah. Because so, you really had
0: everything that you could have ever wanted, virtually. I mean, in the in the sh- material way.
1: Sure, but there was never enough, and that was really the 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 realization that I came to. I mean, on, yeah, my, my girlfriend at the time was on the cover of L magazine. I drove a BMW. I had an expensive watch. I had a grand piano in my apartment in New York. Uh, I had a Labrador Retriever. You know, this this life looked – Did I you would, do
0: Summers in the Hamptons?
1: Summers in the Hamptons, oh, Fashion Week in cool Milan life. and Paris and oh London. We would go for New Year's to Buzios, Brazil, or Punta del Este in Uruguay. So yeah. it was, you know, it was South America. It was Europe and – uh, it looked great, but it was—it really came to a head uh, this one vacation in Punta del Este uh, in South America, in Uruguay. And I was—I was, I Your was on. Your soccer team is excellent, by the way. Yes, right? yes, they, they, they absolutely are. It's for a, for a tiny country. That's right. Uh, You know, I was there on this opulent vacation and we rented this compound and there were servants and there were horses and we'd spent $1,000 on fireworks. And I remember magnums of Dom Perignon, I mean, more champagne than we could drink. And I was supposed to be happy. This was the life that I had been trying to live. And there was just something on that trip where it was was almost like the game of musical chairs Mm -hmm. and the music stops and I looked around and I was standing. Wow, and there was no there was no place to sit. Yeah, and almost like the veil was lifted. As I looked around at all these people, and there was a there was one party that I wanted to stop. It started on New Year's Eve, and around three or four o'clock the next day, it was still going in and the there, daytime. Oh yeah, so we've ruined the tranquility of this beautiful compound mm. near the beach with horses and fields, and it's just a bunch of cracked out people yeah. dancing to the same songs you know that we've been dancing hours to and for hours. years. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I I wanted the music to stop. I wanted everybody to leave. And I realized that there would never be enough. Somebody would always have a a more beautiful girlfriend. Someone would have more money, a better car. And people had planes. That it was this endless pursuit uh, of more. Yeah. And you know, I needed to get off the ride. I needed to to change the change the song. And you know, my parents have been praying for me, <laughs> you can imagine, right? Yeah. For 10 years. I mean, gosh. they have they have armies of old little old ladies locked up yeah. in prayer closets, <laughs> uh,
0: right. you know,
1: wearing holes in the carpet with their knees and yeah. biting their fingernails. And and uh, you know, my my dad at one point signs me up for models for Christ mailing <laughs> list. I mean, he tried everything. Right? Everything, like, yeah. Maybe a Christian model will get right, Scott back. Right. right. Uh, and and during this trip, he had sent me A.W. Tozer's Pursuit of God. He'd given it to me at Christmas. And for some reason, I packed the book yeah. and hung over in Punta del Este, Uruguay. I start reading deep theology in the Bible again. And there was really this awakening that happened, um, the decade point, realizing that, you know, my legacy, if I continued down this path, was going to be, you know, my tombstone would read here lies a guy who got 10 million people wasted, he right. got him drunk. Right. And... Who wants, who wants that on their tombstone?
0: Right. You know, so often the person sitting in your chair and I are talking about when we pray for something and things don't change. And I'm sure you've had that story too. I mean, right? We all have things we pray for that that don't happen the way we think they would. But very rarely is my friend sitting in that chair the receiving end of people praying for 10 years. Yeah. Do you feel like, do you ever think about, I mean, you said it, so it at least is in your mind about all those people and what what it meant that they prayed that long and didn't give up
1: I do and I really think they mattered yeah. uh, I, do you? I really really think they mattered and, and in a almost in a more beautiful way I've been able to redeem all of those years I mean all of the things that I learned and many of those relationships you know were now turned and used and have been used for good over the last decade or yeah. the last 12 years yeah so in, in some ways those years weren't even in vain. Yeah. Um, they they really weren't they weren't wasted.
0: Yeah. Do you something this is so funny you're saying this because this phrase keeps coming up from the Bible. It, like literally in the last four days, five people have said to me that, that the that verse that says the Lord will restore Joel.
1: Joel 227. Yeah. Yep.
0: Do you feel that?
1: The years that the locusts have eaten. And then yes. it names like nine worms and locusts. Yeah. And yeah. Uh I do. And and I I love in that verse. I've I've actually that's a verse that has been really important for me over the years. And uh, it makes it sound like it's in a moment like it's an immediate restoration. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a grace or there's just this point where the the whole the whole slate is wiped clean and you don't need to kind of crawl your way out of it and keep regretting and regretting and oh, I wish I hadn't done that. It's just it's like a 180 degree turn.
0: Yeah. Cuz I'm single. And so the couple of people have said it in like a hey, the Lord's going to restore this. What he's going to do for you. Will restore mm-hmm. and and what I keep saying to people is I hear you, and I will believe you. I don't know how that could ever be, but you're saying to me that happened for your life too.
1: It did, it did. I mean, my life looks completely different now. I mean, you. Yeah. I mean, come on. If if you had met me 12 years ago over a plate of cocaine, you know five in the morning at some disgusting after hours, yeah, and someone said that guy's going to raise a third of a billion dollars for clean water, right and give 8 million 8.2 million people. You would have right. come on, you would have laughed. Like Yeah. and, and is going to get married and have kids and yeah. you know and speak at churches and go speak to 20,000 people on a Sunday. Right. Uh, come on. I right. Mean, there's nothing more ridiculous right. than that. That's
0: right. Are you surprised at that? No. Yeah. Good. Not Not really. I like that. Not really. Good. Okay, so talk about the switch.
1: So I come back to New York and I start praying again. I, I I begin to go to churches, and you know churches. There was there was no cool church in New York yeah. City back then. I mean I remember the basements of the fluorescent lit basements of kind of community halls and yeah. and schools, and it kind of reminded me of the church that I thought was kind of lame yeah. growing up. Yeah, uh, and so that was difficult for me. And then I just. I started reading, and I would find different teachers. I would find um, there was this guy Chuck Missler, that I started listening to out of like Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and yeah. he would just teach through the Bible, and like you know, he would spend an hour teaching on one chapter of the Bible. And when you're so doing was, this, are
0: you still doing your job? You're I'm still, still doing throwing my job. parties.
1: Now I'm trying to give up uh, the vices. Sure. But but really in the natural and, and in a in a in a really failing way. So I would yeah. cut down from right two sure packs heart. to. One pack. Or I would quit smoking for five days and then I would go back and smoke four packs. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I
1: would try and drink less. I would quit drugs until that one night when I'm like, well, I'm so drunk, I might as well do a line of Coke. Right. And, you know, I would try and I I think I stopped living with my girlfriend. But then, you know, it it was – everything was just done um, not well. I I wasn't having the success. But now it wasn't fun doing drugs and it wasn't fun sleeping around and it wasn't fun – uh, I, now there was there was a real guilt and almost a shame associated yeah, with it, yeah, so this goes on for a period of of uh, months, so call it now we 're in the summer and i'd really been praying to God for a way out and I'd been saying, you know, how do I get out of this now uh, I was in fact getting deeper and deeper into things mm-hmm. as we were there was a, a guy opening up a restaurant and he gave my my business partner and I ten percent of the business just to attach our names. So I was having the opposite of my prayers answered. And in some ways, there is no easy way out when you're a club promoter. I mean, we were making such good money that, you know, any of the marketing jobs would have been a quarter of the salary. And you don't just become a doctor or a lawyer. Right. right? I'm a 28-year-old club promoter. I can get 1,000 people to stand outside a velvet rope and choose who comes in and get them drunk. That, how is that skill portable right, <laughs> right. especially the income level so right. it really felt kind of dead-ended and uh you know I, I i write about this really for the first time so now i'm, and
0: I'm thirsty yeah,
1: yeah thirst just thirst Thirst.
0: sorry sorry and, and then um
1: there was this night where uh i i got a bouncer fired from a nightclub uh, for stealing or harassing somebody and uh, he comes after me the next night with a gun, and I had just left the club five minutes before he turned up with a gun. And, you know, we've, ha- we've had our lives threatened so many times uh, over the decade. Mm-hmm. You don't let someone in the club, and they're like, I'm going to come back and shoot you.
0: Yeah. But
1: this actually felt different. It felt like this moment uh, that was a great time to get out of town for a couple weeks. Yeah. So I pick up uh, a Bible. I grab a bottle of Dewar's. Uh, I rent a car for a month. I tell my business partner, "Hey, you're just going to handle things for a couple of weeks." And, yeah. and I drive north with no destination in mind. And in the farther away that I got from New York City, uh, I remember reading through the Bible and getting to the story of Lot. Mm. And you know, Lot is this guy kind of surrounded by evil, who's actually rescued. He's like snatched, yeah. by this circumstance, and not that I was in any way, a righteous man, because he was, or was described as such. But I felt, in some ways, like this was my out. You know, I I didn't have to go back to nightlife. This was that clean break. So would I use mm-hmm. it, or would I not use it? Yeah. And I wound up in Greenville, Maine, in a dial-up internet cafe, oh my gosh. Uh, and on Moosehead Lake. And I get the idea that the opposite of my life would look like tithing one of the ten years that I'd wasted, uh, and and engaging in humanitarian service, basically volunteering for a year to serve yeah. the poor. So I fill out applications to World Vision and Samaritan's Purse and. Uh, Save the Children and Oxfam and all these organizations that I've heard of from this little internet cafe. (laughs) And I never go back to New York City. So I have a friend just uh, get rid of all the stuff in my apartment. He sells everything. I remember putting up 2,000 DVDs on eBay. I I liquidate my entire life. And
0: And you're like 28, 29? 28. Oh my gosh, God, I have not heard. So this it's a
1: part. it's a real start over. Yeah. So I go to the south of France. Uh, a friend had a cabin in the Pyrenees, and I just kind of begin to pray, and I'm reading the Bible again, and uh, I'm waiting for all these, of course, these acceptance letters, right? Yeah, right, right. I need to choose I'm which pick right, which, which of, of these, these. Yeah. yeah. And and that's uh, what I
0: would have thought too. Even as you're telling the story, I'm like, oh my gosh, how does when they all say yes? Yeah. So I,
1: they all say no, oh, <laughs> of course, no. because how is. I remember being probably too honest on the applications right. <laughs> and, you know, how in any way is a nightclub promoter going to be useful to serious humanitarians yeah. or a serious humanitarian mission? So finally, Mercy Ships calls me, this group out of Texas. Yeah. And I had gotten a photojournalism degree or journalism degree at, at NYU. And I dusted that off and said, hey, can I come on your mission and tell stories? And they write me back and say, have hey, you willing to pay us $500 a month You can volunteer, and you have to go to Liberia, West Africa, which has just come out of a 14-year civil war, and 14,000 UN troops had just landed in Liberia. So I say, yes. Well, actually, they wouldn't take me without meeting me. So they said, (laughs) you have to come and prove to us that you are not crazy first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go all the way up to Bremerhaven, Germany. And I convinced them that, I'm no, I'm not going to throw a rave on the ship. And, right. Nor am I going to corrupt their – I could.
0: Know. I won't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and really, my heart has changed and I want to serve. Yeah. And, and I thought I brought a lot to the table. I brought an email list of 15,000 people back when open rates were almost 100%. Right. So people from Chanel and Prada and Gucci and you know, people had been coming to our, our parties. So they take me on and it happens quick. Two weeks later, I'm in Africa. Oh, my god. For the first time. And I had this moment where the night before I got on the ship and, and officially surrendered my passport and walked up the gangway, I got tremendously hammered.
0: Yeah, Did you? Oh,
1: I went out with a bang. And I was like, <laughs> come on, this, is, this has to be it. So we're going right. to, we're going to, st- we're going to, you know, a in boat. the ground.
0: So I, this is it.
1: Right? So I spoke three packs of cigarettes at eight or nine beers. I woke up with oh the gosh. worst hangover the next right. day.
0: Right. That's a brutal And then apocalypse. I just,
1: I quit everything. Uh, I never touched Coke again. I never uh, smoked again. I never looked at pornography again. I never gambled again. I just, I walked away. Just done, like that. One one day. There was something, I'm I'm That's pretty extreme, so it's much yeah, easier for me. Yeah, what's your Enneagram me, number? Eight. Eight. Uh, so I'm on or off. It's yeah. much easier just to go all in on yep. whatever it is. Yep. And there was something prophetic about walking up the gangway and sailing away into my new life yeah. and leaving all of the crap yep. on shore.
0: yep. Yeah, Uh, and you knew it at the time. You knew like I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm leaving all of that for this, and then went straight to Africa. That's it. Oh my gosh! So, what made you decide clean water versus medical? Or why don't you have 40 mercy ships floating around? Why'd you do clean water?
1: Well, the first year was spent. uh, Oh my gosh, the first year surgeries. How how long were you there? Two. A year turned into two. Yeah, the first year was spent photographing massive facial tumors and cleft lips and people that had been burned during the war. And yeah. I, I, you know, I'd spent time in a leprosy colony. I mean, stuff I'd never seen before. Yeah. The second year, I really got off the ship and into the rural areas. And I saw dirty water and I made the link between so much of the sickness that we were seeing and the dirty water. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liberia at the time, 50% of the people were drinking from swamps and ponds. So imagine a country where half the people are drinking diseased water. Right. So for me, it seemed like the question behind the question. You know, this, the answer maybe for why there was so much sickness and why so many people were turning up on the mercy ship. I mean, we would have 5,000 people stand outside a, a soccer stadium just in the hopes of seeing a doctor, and yeah. we could help 1,500 of them. Oh, my god! So we were turning away thousands of people yeah. all the time. So I, I found my way to water through seeing it. I mean, I, I saw a little girl, 13-year-old girl named Hawa. Drinking from a swamp, and there was just something about the contrast. So I used to sell Voss water in our clubs Mm for ten dollars. Yeah, and people would come in and order ten bottles and not open one of them. Mm. They just let them sit there, and they drink champagne or vodka. Sure. So there was something about watching a child in the like why just drink dirty water, and there was something so visceral. And then Mm -hmm. I learned at the time a billion people worldwide didn't have clean water. Mm-hmm. And nobody was talking about it. As I came back to New York and I started telling my friends, hey, there's a water crisis, a billion people. And are like, what? Yeah. What are you talking about?
0: Right, because they're the ones who are ordering 10 bottles at $10 exactly. a bottle and, you know, and not opening it. And this
1: is pre Flint and you droughts. I mean, America sure, has sure, 100% sure. water coverage. Yeah, yeah. Statistically.
0: Right, right, right. This podcast is brought to you today by Fuller Seminary. Ministry looks different than it did even like 10 years ago. And Fuller prioritizes an innovative, forward-looking environment where students and faculty can explore the intersections of work and theology and encourage one another in their callings. To support this collaboration, Fuller is now offering the Catalyst Scholarship to select incoming Master of Divinity students for winter 2019. Recipients will receive a discount of 50% off tuition during their first year of study at Fuller. This new scholarship supports the theological education and spiritual formation of innovative, collaborative students who want to be a part of a diverse an inspiring learning community. For more information, go to fuller.edu/catalyst. That's fuller.edu/catalyst. One of my favorite things about your story is that it's one skill set you had and you've just turned that skill set to promoting. Prom- right? <laughs> yeah, you just promote. Like you you've decided now that you're going to promote for people to have a healthy life. Versus yeah. getting tore up.
1: That's right. And, and day one of Charity Water was actually this this kind of redemptive turn where I launched Charity Water in a nightclub with 700 people. And instead of taking the money, yeah. 100% of all the money, went directly to build our first few projects in Uganda.
0: And you just like told all those 15,000, or however you called your people who you normally would call to come line up outside the velvet ropes, and you said, this one's going to be a little bit different.
1: I said, bring 20 bucks. And they walked in past huge photos of people drinking dirty water.
0: Oh, because you you had just just I
1: decorated the whole club with images uh, from the last year.
0: Yeah. How did you talk that club owner into letting you do that?
1: Just a relationship. Yeah. And and a lot of, you know, the, the club people and the owners had been on my email list for two years. So yeah. they'd, they'd probably gotten 60 or 70 posts. Oh, sure. Now, some I'm of them going. unsubscribed immediately, sure. right? Like, sure. don't send me a photo of leprosy, bro. Right. Come on.
0: Right. But
1: but others began to give money. And I learned that the same group of people who would was interested in hedonistically drinking could also be interested in, in giving mm-hmm. and in, in sharing their time and their talent and their money with others.
0: Yeah. Have you seen that continue over the last decade that you've had Charitable. Yeah, we,
1: we quickly graduated from nightclub. So I wouldn't yeah. say we have a big contingent of people now who are, you know, out at 10 right. for dinner and right. you know, after hours. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, something happened that night. So I invited 700 people uh, to come to the club. They had to pay $20 as a donation on the way in. I gave them an open bar for an hour. And I remember that night uh, a weed dealer put $500 cash in the bucket. And he said it was the first charitable donation he'd ever made in his life. Wow. And I knew we were on to something. Yeah. And he said, I know where 100% of my money is going to go, and I yeah. trust you.
0: Yeah. That is what I have long loved about Charity Water is that everyone knows 100% of the money goes. It's a The pie chart is full.
1: Yeah, and that's not easy, by the way. Oh, gosh,
0: no <laughs> kidding. I mean, I remember in my nonprofit days, I worked for Mocha Club, and then I also worked for um, Bobby Bailey mm-hmm. for a minute when mm-hmm. he was here in Nashville doing a documentary on mosquitoes. hmm Um, With the UN. And so that, you know, maybe that was like 2009. It's been forever ago. But we had to care about the pie charts, Mm -hmm. about where people cared, where the money was going that we had to use. And so the whole time we were going, Charity Water does 100. Because that's why you do the charity ball. That's why the charity charity ball. That
1: That actually for years now has been going 100% to the water. Really? Yeah. So so the way we do it. Yeah, tell me. For those that don't know, we from day one, Uh, Realize that the most common objection people have with giving to charity is not knowing where their money goes or how much goes. And there's data behind this. 42% of Americans that were polled said they distrust charities. Mm. 70% of Americans recently polled by NYU said they believe charities either waste their money or badly waste their money. Oh, wow. Let that sink in. 70%. Brutal. So 30% of people thought charities did the right thing right. with money. Not
0: even did the best thing, but just better than bad.
1: <laughs> so the, that was what we were trying to solve for with the 100% model. It, yeah. was, it wasn't to go poach donors from other charities. Sure. It was to get people who were disenchanted and cynical about mm-hmm. giving and say, hey, we will go find uh, uh, people that are not you. To cover the overhead and the office and the rent and the salaries. So we can promise that 100% of your money will go straight to projects and, yeah. and then we prove it. And what, what a lot of people don't know is for from the beginning, we've been paying back credit card fees even. Yeah. So if you give $100 on Charity Water's website, I wish I got $100. Right. But I get $97 right. if you use your Amex and 98 if you use MasterCard. So we actually make up that $3 difference. Uh -uh. Money we didn't even get from you.
0: Yeah. You make up the difference so that 100% of their money goes. So
1: it's a real 100%. And that costs us now hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to make up those twos and threes and fours. Yeah.
0: So how are you paying those other things? You're fundraising all that.
1: There's a money tree that grows in the middle of the (laughs) office.
0: Which is weird for New York (laughs) because there's just not a lot of space. We water it. it. We water it. We have a very special
1: water. It's an alkaline (laughs) water. (laughs) uh, It's
0: $10 a bottle, but it super pays off in the tree world.
1: Yeah. It's it's hard and it's easy. So there are 129 families that pay for the overhead. Okay. And a million donors that have given to the water projects. Got it. So a very small group of people pay for 80 staff, the flights, the office, the insurance, the copy machine. And those families, they love it. They love supporting yeah. the accounting department. Because the still they department. know
0: exactly where the money's going. They know
1: where it's going. And yeah. we still have a pie chart. It's, it's yeah. 80-20 or 82-18. Yeah. Um, but they're, they look at themselves as our investors, our backers. When we hire employee number 81, they're excited about that. Yeah. And most people.
0: 80 people, Scott. That is unbelievable. Well, there's
1: 600 or 800 around the world now. That are oh. that are actually on the payroll, that are working on the projects.
0: So 80 in your office. 80 in, in New, New York, York,
1: yeah. And that's that's actually we actually want the numbers to grow of locals. Yeah. So the 800 locals is the number that's growing much faster. Yeah. Than just. The,
0: so those are on the ground with wells where yeah, there's you're doing hundreds, water.
1: Hundreds of people just in Ethiopia. There, there's drillers and technicians and hydrologists and drivers and accountants and auditors and uh, procurement officers. You know, people who are we're in 26 countries now. Yeah
0: my gosh. Say again, how many people are getting water currently?
1: So we've done twenty-eight thousand villages, okay. eight point two million. Out of the current problem is six hundred sixty-three million. So that's actually really good. Over the last decade, uh, it's good news. We've yeah. gone from a billion people without water to six sixty-three million. Mm-hmm. So now it's only a tenth, only a tenth of the planet. Right, right, right. Um, so we've now solved one eightieth of the of the global crisis. Yeah. So one point two percent. That's I think the kind of
0: stuff we get to put on your tombstone in fifty or well, years. you know. <laughs>
1: It's not. It's not me. It's really the amazing community of a million everyday people have right. stepped up around the world. They've done their birthdays. Their they've, birthdays. They've the birthdays. The coolest
0: things. Right. I mean, it's like kids do it all the time. Yeah, we, where they give their birthdays.
1: We just uh, a girl recently, um, a little girl in Vancouver. I think she was eight years old. Just did twelve lemonade stands for charity water. Oh my gosh! And. One one day it was raining and her mom could not convince little Maddie to come in out of the rain. And then at her twelfth lemonade stand, she convinces a band to perform on the sidewalk <laughs> to attract lemonade buyers, and she sells fifty six hundred dollars of lemonade. Oh my gosh! Over twelve weekends. Yeah. You know, the, I think the most exciting thing is that in our ten year anniversary, we really we almost had to reinvent the organization. So we had eight years of. Of just straight up into the right mm-hmm. growth, mm-hmm. Uh, and we gave a million people clean water in our eighth year, which felt amazing. Mm-hmm. It's like 2,500 people a day.
0: That's yeah, that's crazy.
1: Our ninth year, we had our first year we didn't grow, and it felt terrible. Yeah. we had a couple big donors. Uh, one company uh, laid off 10,000 employees. Another donor stock tanked, and and they just paused.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we had this 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 moment to really reinvent. Charity Water, and move from the birthday model to a subscription model. Sure. So much more like Netflix or Spotify. And we created something in our 10th year called The Spring. And we said, these birthdays are amazing, but people only do one. So we just have to keep finding Can't birthdays. can do it every year, yeah. Well, what we found is people would actually change causes. So they would embrace the birthday idea. Ah. Right, I'll do one for clean water this year. I'll do one for education. I'll do one for a justice sure. issue. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the birthday idea was – So they
0: do it the first year with y'all and go, this is awesome. And then the next year they go and do it for a different cause. Which
1: is great. I mean, totally. we have an abundance mentality. I mean, that's, totally. if we can put that idea into the lexicon, that's that's a huge Game win. on, that's right. And now, by the way, Facebook – I. I I joked that I sold it to Facebook 10 years ago yes, to a co-founder. That's right. I wrote it down on a napkin, <laughs> and uh, he wrote a $50,000 check uh-uh. joking that he was buying the idea, and it, yeah. took, it took about 10 years to see it really implemented. But now you can do it. But now everybody's giving up their birthday yeah, on Facebook. That's so right. that's right. That's That feels awesome. But we said the problem with that is it's one and done. Yeah. And we have to keep finding more and more birthdays. So what if we could get a bunch of people who were willing to give a little bit every single month? And this model is not that new. It, it's, it's probably most common in the sponsor a child model. Yeah. But we said we don't actually have a kid who can write you letters. Right. Um, but we can promise that 100% of the money is going to clean water and we'll show you stories of impact across the globe. So we called that the spring, and we kind of anchored it around $30 a month if people could afford $30 a month. Yeah. And we have tons of you know kids giving 10 bucks, and yeah. we have some people giving 100 bucks or 300 bucks. And that in our 10th year started growing like crazy. Um, I just got uh, an email yesterday that we have our 100th country now represented in the spring. So we have countries in Africa now with people who are giving yeah, monthly to Charity yeah. Water. And uh, and that that is kind of the next wave of growth. Yeah. So the organization grew 37% last year. We're up 30% again just in the first half of this year. Oh, and it's really powered by a lot of people yeah. showing up every month with yeah. what they can, 10 bucks, 30 bucks a month and then seeing where that money goes.
0: Can you still see the wells online?
1: You can see – well, we post every well, photos and GPS of every well, and now we even have uh, sensors on some of the wells. So we can show the water flowing five years later, seven years later. Um, What we're doing with this community, since effectively it's fractionally going to all these different countries, is we're sending um, our film team, which is basically a couple people, uh, on country tours – Showing the community the diversity of the solutions mm-hmm. and who the teams mm-hmm. are. So it's exclusive content just for the spring members. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy because when we started, we only had a few thousand. Yeah. And we're making movies effectively for a few thousand people. Right. But now it's 27,000 people. Right. And, you know, we're adding. I mean, it's just, it's growing really quickly. So, you know, as of right now, we're giving 3,800 new people clean water every day. Yeah. So it's, it's 150 people an right. hour. And again, that's thanks to this community. It's a lot of people saying I could do that. Like yeah. I could do two Netflixes a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or one HBO a month. Yeah. We actually hear people are canceling their subscriptions
0: to do to other stuff. Yeah, are yeah. Like
1: yeah, I don't really use that that yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can give that twenty bucks a month.
0: Man, that's incredible. That is insane. How do you even process numbers like that in your head?
1: Um, I was at Madison Square Garden uh-huh. the other day with my wife, and I ran the math, and I said, "Honey, it was full. It was a concert." And I'm like, wow, this happens every five days. Yeah. So like this volume of people. Yeah. So I think in terms of stadiums, and and that's the encouraging. When I think – let me give you an example. So I I kind of teeter, and I'm sure many social entrepreneurs, if if there are any listening, go from the extreme abundance mentality Uh and then the extreme scarcity mentality. Sure, yeah. It's that, you know, the the, the zigzag. You're like on top of the mountain, you're the lowest value. That's right. So on the good days – yeah, you're saying, wow, like the time that Annie and I sat down, like 150 people got clean water because of the machine, meaning the community. Yeah. This, this kind of virtuous cycle, a bunch of people who are just, their donations are all kicking in. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, literally they're being triggered every second that we sit here. Right. Somebody is giving $11 and $24 and $62 and $30 and $50 and all that money's going. So, so that's on the positive. On the negative, we had a donor uh, who was younger than me, and he created a video game, and he worked on it for about five or six years, mm-hmm. and he sold the company for $750 million. Oh, my God. Now, he was very generous. He gave us $3 million for our yeah. overhead oh, immediately wow. after the sale. But we were having dinner in Seattle uh, not too long ago, and we were lamenting the fact that I have spent 11 years, right? I've been on, you know, we were, we were talking about the one year I did 98 flights before right. I started having kids. I mean, I've done... Oh 3,000 speeches. I yeah. mean I've been to Ethiopia 30 separate times in coach you know I've been in to coach, 69 countries yeah and I have created in double the time less than half the value. So that's depressing. right He created a video game <laughs> right. That was worth $750 million. <laughs> right. And I've been crusading for clean water yeah, for 11 yeah, years. Yeah. And, you know, we're about half of that.
0: Right. <laughs> if you only count dollar signs.
1: If you only count. But but sure. But that is an actual. Yeah. That's, that's a, me- we're, that's a we're metric. We're in the business of unlocking people's hearts so that they give yeah. generously and yeah. move money from their bank accounts where it's sitting latent and, and helping yeah. no one to where it's actually... At work, yeah. uh, alleviating the suffering. Yeah. So, you know, one of the questions I get asked a lot recently with the book coming out is like, well, did you yeah. ever think, you know, Charity Water would be so successful and raise so much more, you know, money? And I'm like, man, the real answer is I thought we'd be infinitely more successful. Yes. By an order of magnitude that's not 10x, it's more like 100x. Mm-hmm. So I am shocked at how little money we've been able to raise and and how little impact we've been. It's clean water. Yeah. I mean, this is something that Christians and Muslims and, you know, and, and atheists and right. Jews, like everybody right. can agree on clean right. water. This is something that Republicans and Democrats and independents can agree on. It's
0: right. right. And it's 100%. Right. Like, right.
1: How have we done so little? Yeah. Really?
0: You're such an Enneagram eight, so Pat. I
1: kind of I kind of feel like the best is yet that to come. Is, yeah, I, I, I really believe that. Like it feels like we're at the very beginning of yeah. the journey, and we are nowhere near the tipping point. Yeah. And what
0: success gonna be for you when no one
1: at least a hundred million people? Okay. I want to personally uh, see a hundred million people that have gotten clean water through the charity water community. Tell me what at we're at large. again? Eight point two.
0: Eight point two. Okay. That feels totally doable, right? 90.
1: At least 100. And I want to okay. see a day when everybody has clean water to drink. Yeah. I've I, got a two-year-old and a four-year-old. I want them to grow up and not have some guy like me turn up at their middle school and show pictures of kids vomiting on their shirt because they're drinking Brown River water. Right,
0: And the problem is I forget because I'll drink a bottle of water and I'll leave a third of it in there and then I'll throw it away at the gas station because it's just been sitting in my car and rolling around. And and though in those moments, I have this check and I go... You are literally throwing away clean water,
1: and it's because of the privilege we've been born into. Uh-huh. You didn't choose that. Mm-hmm. I was born into a middle-class family with a you know weird health situation, but yeah. I've never had dirty water in my life. Yeah, nor have I, I. I go to Africa and I can afford to buy a case of water for fifteen cents each. And you know, I, I lived in a village in Ethiopia once, off the grid. I rented a camel that took water into the village because I, I didn't want to die. Right, uh, <laughs> right. of bilharzia, of schistosomiasis. Right. But I was I could afford the case of water. Yeah. And the water filter yeah. that, I, that I took in with me.
0: Yeah. So I would imagine that people have been asking you to write a book for as long as you've had charity water. Why now?
1: I think there was something about <laughs> my answer would have been along the way. We're still like we're we're still living this. I mean, yeah. we're still writing it. This yeah. this does not I mean, we don't even know that the organization is gonna exist a month from now or six yeah. months from now. So I think it was a couple things. It was turning 40. It was having children, and the organization turning ten, which felt like, uh, and we'd ra- we'd just broken through a quarter of a billion dollars, uh, and there was just a moment that felt like, okay, maybe we can share what we've learned. Mm. Let's tell the stories of the community. Let's use this as a pause point. Yeah, um, we are going to be around. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in yeah. In the next year, I mean, you know, we we're not running out of money. We're right. And and then I think the goal of the book was really.
0: Because it's your story, right?
1: It's my story, and then it's the story of so many others. Yeah. So it, it's really it, it. kind of starts with my story, and then I tell so many stories in the book that I'm that I'm proud of, and I'm I'm mm-hmm. so excited to share with the world. But I would hope, you know, for some people that it would say, look, um, no matter what you've done, you can. Uh, chances are, there's no reader that is as down and out as I was. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be hard. You know, once you read it, I mean, I, it's even it's even darker yeah. than I said. Yeah. Um, and it's never too late and i really believe you know god can redeem anyone and anything and restore those years so but we got sued people don't know that like i talk yeah. about a lawsuit in the book that yeah. was this huge thing for the organization we talk about the 100% model almost failing and yeah. people just saw oh wow well, they gave away 100% for 11 years behind the scenes there was trauma.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, believe it,
1: it. it uh, I mean, it might talk someone out of the 100% yeah, model. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you think you want to copy charity, you want to read that book? And right. you're like, oh, I am not doing that. Oh,
0: I will <laughs> not do it that way.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and then I think... I would hope that social entrepreneurs could take the playbook and say, oh, wow, how could I apply that thing that they did that actually really worked to my issue or to yeah. my cause? Yeah. Um, so I would hope a lot, of, a lot of things happen from it. And, you know, I, I donated the advance to Charity Water. I'm, all the proceeds, I'm not going to make a penny off the book. I really hope that it, it goes out there as a, as a vehicle to, you know, to help a lot of people and, and yeah. also inspire people with in the water crisis. Like,
0: yeah.
1: And, and, you know, we had uh, somebody just sent me an email this morning that got an advance copy. and uh, she's uh, Orthodox Jewish and said um, you know I've been teaching my little guy tzedakah and 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 this was just this was so amazing and I want to bring my son by the office to yeah. connect and yeah. I immediately joined the spring as a family
0: mm-hmm. so that's
1: what I would hope that yeah. you know it would both inspire people but now we have one more supporter showing up every month right getting one more person clean water right so that book, you know, that one read is going to get at least 12 more people clean water this year and another 12 more people clean water next year.
0: Yeah. That's incredible to think about that, that you get to put numbers like that to everything you do professionally to go like, this is actually like, there's a there's a family that does not have clean water today that because of your book read by that family will have clean water. Yeah. That's insane.
1: And then I get to go see them.
0: Right. That's right. I mean, and then being, we can click on a button and see where it is on GPS. That was always one of the coolest I thought, man, I'd love that I can like click and look around at where these wells actually are and what they're actually doing. Is there anything about having a book come out that feels weird or you're nervous about?
1: I mean, my wife said, I can't believe you put all that in the book. Yeah. So there's 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 definitely a sense of I I think I've always been very transparent. And I mean, I've said people things on stage that you know, people are just shocked. Like, I can't believe you're telling an audience. Yeah, this. yeah, yeah. So the book is just a way to do that in even a longer form. Yeah. And I just, I just believe in transparency. Yeah. And when you admit your failures, when you admit all the things that you did stupidly, it just makes it more real. Yeah. I mean, nobody believes the glossy story.
0: That's right. They don't. Uh, it works fine it, on an Instagram post, but like a whole so book I, and a whole life.
1: Yeah. So I'm a little worried. There's definitely some some stuff in the book that. That uh, I've never shared before. Yeah, and, but I, I think it'll all be fine.
0: Yeah, it will. You're right, because because what is true is people respond to truth, and people love that. So, okay, so you're married and two kids, boys two or kids, girls? A little boy. Uh,
1: boy Jackson, he's four, yeah. almost four. Um, and then my daughter shares my birthday and Charity ah. Water's birthday. Uh-uh. She's almost two. <laughs> that's
0: awesome. And y'all live in New York.
1: We live in New York City. Yeah. Uh, we live in a twelve hundred square foot apartment in Battery Park City, and oh, I yeah. can walk to work in seven minutes.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So
1: with all the travel, that's the only way I'm able to keep sane. Mm-hmm. Is I do every morning and every night when I'm in New York City with the kids. Uh, if I'm scheduling a dinner, it's at nine o'clock, you know, right. post post bedtime. Right. And, uh, you know, the kids are by the office all the time. Yeah. The pediatrician is in our office building. Oh, my gosh. So we just have this really great of um, A really of small life.
0: Yeah, like, a, like geographically small life when geographically
1: you're Geographically small. Yeah, we yeah. walk everywhere and... Uh, and it's great. And I've just started taking my son on the road a couple times. So oh, I was, really? I was speaking at a big church conference in Sacramento, and he came out with me. And I put him in a 2,000-person audience. And I'm like, Jackson, okay, Daddy, let to talk for 40 minutes. You can't say anything, right? <laughs> Ten minutes in, I hear, like,
0: Daddy! <laughs> no! Or <laughs> you like, sorry, everyone. That's my but, real kid. <laughs> but he he gets it.
1: And, you know, I'd like yeah. to take him over there at 5 or 6. Yeah. You know, the thought of flying with him for 26 hours in coach is terrifying. Yeah. Uh, there's no... You know, there, there are there are not enough movies yeah <laughs> i think they can hold any child's attention <laughs> right barely Ethiopian mine air, i did but... about
0: that long on uh going to china and i was like i am bored and i've watched a lot of things that i really like and i'm fresh out
1: yeah and i worked with my wife for nine years so that story's yeah. in the book too she was the second employee and before uh, y'all were married oh yeah
0: yes well done did you hire her knowing like she's cute she'll be great at this
1: uh it's the story's in the book okay okay okay
0: (laughs) i won't push you on it but it is one of my that will be worth the read for people because we love hearing as a single podcast toaster we love hearing good stories of how people meet up so we will yeah it was it was it
1: it was really really special um and she's now starting her new thing so she wants to teach people branding and she's she's got a little startup yeah i've seen it it's really
0: brilliant I, um, did she post on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. I just
1: just saw her website for the first time last night. Like nothing is live. Yeah. She's, uh, you know, she's, she's like, you know, it's that, that fear. She said to me the other night, she said, I get a sense of how scary it must have been in the very beginning. Mm. Cause she, she kind of knows, you know, she knows Charity Water now. It's just this, she walks into the office and there's, we have executives and it's just a professional organization um, so she's in that like starting and do I press publish?
0: Right, right, right. It's What if so people scary. don't like
1: it? What if they don't like my video? What if they, <laughs> you know, so it's it's really fun to, to see. And I think she's going to help a lot of people.
0: Yeah, yeah that's amazing. Um, one of our very favorite things to talk about here is fun. Mm-hmm. That sounds fun. And I'm an Enneagram 7, so I'm going to always Oh, lean I towards- have a 7 wing. I I, know, I would, I would rather be a seven. Yeah. I, my
1: favorite people in Those the world people. are seven. Yeah. Really? And my uh, my number uh, the 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 chief water officer at yeah. Charity Water, the guy who's been with me for six or seven years now, yeah. is a seven. And we have so much fun together. Man. Eight it's with seven wings just,
0: are so fun.
1: You know, let, hey, hard. we're in, we're in Addis Ababa. Like, let's go out. Like, yeah. where are we? What are we going to do? Let's go catch a band. Let's you want to check. You know, you want to go to the Danakil Depression? <laughs> Can we get a train? Like, there's just the sense of. That's right. Just just next. Yeah. Right? It's a that's sense it. of next. That's
0: exactly right. And the beautiful thing about eights, I, I like to think that uh whereas like Enneagram threes see this one big mountain of their life, they have to climb and when they get to the top the My rest wife's of it. Three. And the rest <laughs> of it is like making sure you don't lose the top. And then eights are like I see 15 mountains and I will defeat them all. Like, I will <laughs> climb them all. I'll get the top and I'll say, I did it. And then I'll or go. burnout trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> right. Or burnout trying. But if you have a seven wing, that means one of your mountains you want to climb is a fun one where you want to go, I will do whatever it takes to have the most fun in this situation. Yep. Your wife's a three and eight and a three married. That's so much achieving.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, she is an achiever. Oh, yeah. my gosh. And see, I can, I can shut it down. Yeah. I don't have, uh, we do StrengthsFinder as well in the organization, so all employees, incoming, current. Have have their wheel kind of posted by oh, their desk. Oh, brilliant! And boy, when I'm interviewing the achiever, I'm like, ha yeah. workaholic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's
0: right. I'll watch you closely, but I'll let you go as yeah, far no, as you can.
1: <laughs> we have to watch. We actually yeah. have to watch the achievers and force them to take vacation. That's and, right. You know, please stop working so hard. Yeah. But you know, you see that over ten years, and it's 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 just amazing. So she yeah. is she is one of those. Oh, She's that's brilliant.
0: Achiever. Okay, so tell me what y'all do for fun. What's fun for the Harrison family?
1: So I love the movies. I'm do one of those people that loves going to the movies by myself. <gasps> okay, um, it's so hard to do with kids. So yeah. sometimes it's you know I saw Mission Impossible until 12:30 a.m. the other right, night. Right, like, right, right. You know it's it, it that's the sacrifice. I stumble home after the, right, know, right, one. Right. Yeah. and Then have to get up at six with the kids. That's right. But I'll make that sacrifice. Uh, I have a big you know if, if we ever get stuck on a layover. Uh huh. So I saw Black Panther in Indianapolis because I there was a storm.
0: Oh, so my I went gosh.
1: like by myself to IMAX at one fifteen p.m. You like leave the movie
0: PM. theater. I mean, you like leave the airport. Oh, yeah. And go to the movie theater. Absolutely. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh,
1: one fifteen showing of Black Panther. There were six people in the IMAX oh, and in Indianapolis. Oh, I love so much. So I love the movies. Uh, you know, I'm not super active. I like biking. Yeah. You know, the rest of the stuff. I love the zoo. Yeah. Uh, I hope that's not controversial. Like the Bronx Zoo so? is like yeah. one of the most amazing it's zoos. It's amazing, yeah. So I have, uh, I've taken my kids 10 or 15 times. Yeah. You know, we love walking around and doing the monorail and,
0: Totally. Tell me. So let's talk about MoviePass.
1: Okay. Have you watched it? Do you well, have the, it? The, the company is now, as of today, I think, worth the market cap. I believe is a hundred thousand dollars. It's a five oh, cent stock. I just I saw it on the way in. Brutal. Um, I actually am at AMC Stubbs. I saw that one okay, coming.
0: Okay. You saw it coming. Yeah, so it's you
1: unsustainable.
0: Yeah, it's it's ten
1: dollars a month for.
0: For unlimited movies, how could it? And they were paying.
1: They didn't get any deals. They didn't get Regal and AMC to give them any discounts.
0: Right. So what happens to me as a MoviePass person? I've... Loved it because okay. it,
1: you, you probably drove him bankrupt. I am one of the people because
0: <laughs> we have like a, a group of like five girlfriends here in town that we will go like tonight, tomorrow night, which one? I don't care. Let's just go to the theater at, at around seven ish, and we'll just pick the one and we'll just movie pass it. But it also does our art house theater here too, mm-hmm. so we get to see like. So I saw Mr. Rogers. You saw Mr. Rogers?
1: Oh my gosh! I was every guy. Talk I saw it, it, it in Brooklyn. Every guy was weeping. Weeping. I mean, I was in. I went to the men's room afterwards, yeah. and you know the dudes are all like, "I'm sniffling." You know, we've got we're just like wiping our faces with that rough kind of burlap. Yeah, that uh, awful paper towel. Oh gosh. Yeah. It was beautiful. That my favorite line was. He says, "Let's make, uh, let's make goodness attractive. Yeah. Goodness, or let's make kindness attractive. One yes. of the two. Yes. And oh, I just—I thought it was just wonderful. I just did too. Beautiful. I thought
0: it was really beautiful. And, and for our age, I'm 38, so we're about the same-ish. Yep. Uh, for our age bracket, he was, I mean, a friend of mine said, I think I saw Mr. Rogers more than I saw my dad mm. on a daily basis. And he was like, so watching him felt like, oh, yeah, I know him. Oh yeah that's mm-hmm. that's my Mr. Rogers that was came into my house mm-hmm. and how they talked about the slow places he would leave in mm-hmm. the shows where he was purposely <laughs> Oh I love letting a turtle crawl yep.
1: and and a minute. Hey, you kids! You want to know how long a minute it yeah, is? He yeah. just sits there and looks at a clock. Yeah. Especially it's in our, you know, and I and and the, there was a one scene in the movie where he cuts together his show, or the the editors cut together his show, versus the other stuff. I remember mm-hmm. watching Transformers, Transor Z, yep. GoBots, like all the other, just you know, Tom and Jerry, like the yeah. the aggressive, fast cutting, you know, guns, violence, you know, hammers hitting. Uh, like the, the ouch, bow, pam. Yeah, and his is better, his right? Is You're better. just it's a there's a slowness, there's a contemplative, just there's a spiritual feeling. I yeah, it was, it was amazing. It
0: was amazing. I that, hope it,
1: I hope it gets recognized at the Oscars because we need more of that in the world. And right, and honestly, less Mission Impossible. Yeah, <laughs> seven <laughs> or nine or whatever <laughs> it was.
0: Right, enjoyable to watch, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I would, I'd take way more Mr. Rogers, and maybe that is what's coming only because. Our age bracket is the power player right now financially, right? The late 30s and 40s are the ones who are making those decisions. And it's our people, it's our peers who have done the work of 15 years being out of college and just grinded in terrible movies Mm -hmm. they were working on to now they know how to create beautiful art Mm -hmm. about something that we also care about because it's Mr. Rogers, Mm -hmm. right? And so it feels like, oh man, I hope this keeps, I hope this is the documentary world we get to keep going and i think so okay so but movie pass the problem is Scott, <laughs> what happens now is it just are they just going to one day send me an email and go like we just can't do this yeah, anymore it's, it's and over. you're done
1: it's okay. over i saw a, a post today that a, a student's college fund is trying to take over the company like a bunch <laughs> of students in some <laughs> yeah. dorm room yeah no it's it's over but i i think going to the movies is one of the best deals going i mean for 11 bucks or i don't know to be able to be entertained in a good story
0: and enveloped and inspired
1: in and kind of enveloped and it. it's yeah. different than Netflix at home. It's different than a, you know, I don't care how big your TV is. You're pausing it. You're distracted. Yeah. You're on your second screen.
0: That's it. Um, That's I, the difference. I, I just
1: think, uh, I, I hope movie theaters don't go away.
0: Yeah, me too. It is one of I, one of my other best friends who's a seven. Uh, he's a musician named Dave Barnes. you know Dave? He's awesome. But uh, he's a seven too. And we both talk about how when you go to a movie, you are able, every other thing that tries to distract you, you have, you've made the choice that this is all that matters right now.
1: Mm-hmm. And you
0: can just go, every time I finish writing a book, my next stop is a movie. Whatever time I finish writing the book, I go to the movie theater right it's afterwards. It's a reward. It's a reward because I don't have to think about anything. I can just sit here and watch Julia and Julia or, or yeah. Mission Impossible or whatever movie pass paid for, rest in peace movie pass. So sad. It was so brilliant.
1: AMC Stubbs is pretty good. It's $19.95. I don't know if you have them local. It's $19.95 yeah, a month, uh-huh. and it's two movies a week, oh. which feels eight movies. I won't,
0: yeah, I, I, I won't do that much.
1: So that feels pretty yeah. reasonable if you yeah. do if you do two. And, and it includes IMAX and Dolby and all the high-end stuff.
0: Okay, see, and that's the other thing. So what, what's happening now with MoviePass is they're going, okay, now we can't do this. Now you can't do this. Mm-hmm. Now you can't do this. Here's a movie that this. you've never
1: heard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You
0: can see these four, and you can see them at 2 p.m. Yep.
1: And you have to drive four hours <laughs> yeah, to the that's theater. That's going to
0: happen. That's what's going to happen. So we're going to end up canceling. Oh, I love that you see me. So the best one you've seen lately, Mr. Rogers? Um,
1: definitely Mr. Rogers. Okay. I mean Nothing comes close to that. I, I'm trying to think of the best one before that. Not, I like Quiet Place. I
0: really liked Quiet Place. Mainly
1: because I just have never seen sound as a character. Like, sound was a character in itself. Yes, Yes. Being in a theater, being in the most – it's hard to explain. Yes. It was amazing.
0: It was amazing. And I really appreciated that they took out the horror part of it very early, Mm -hmm. of going like, no these these monsters aren't targeting humans because they're they they target sound. Mm-hmm. And they don't know what they're so getting. So sound is the enemy. So sound, yeah and so um versus the like a horror movie where there's a monster that eats people yeah. and then you're like that's really scary and it's always going to sneak up on us but yeah. with this you just went like they almost this is very bizarre but they almost felt like harmless creatures mm-hmm. who just responded the way an animal responds. Mm-hmm. And so you they the power is taken from the terrible character and put into sound, mm-hmm. yeah, that's brilliant. Well done. Thank you for being here. It's, uh, I mean, it really is such an honor. I've looked up to you for so long.
1: Thanks for having and me. And thought
0: so highly of you. So it is a real treat. I'm glad Brad would that we share. We love Brad. Right. He's so oh, great.
1: One, one interesting thing about the book, we um, we actually uh, we were trying to do something different to put it out there. Yeah. And We got, so a donor in Virginia read the book, Uh and he's a donor to Charity Water, and he was inspired, and he's actually a character in the book, and he said, I'll tell you what, I really want people to read this, so I'll put up $300,000 to be unlocked, Uh so everyone that pre-orders your book, I'll pay $30 for their name. Even for like Kindle. He's like, someone pays nine bucks, Yeah, it's fine, it'll unlock a $30 donation. So that's kind of cool, like knowing that the book book could also help 10,000 people get clean water Yeah, just in – so I'm really trying to turn this kind of into a pure project where the stories go out, they they inspire people, they move people, and hopefully at the end of it, the people right now, the women who are walking eight hours for dirty water, some of them are going to benefit from – their stories in the actual book
0: yeah yeah that's brilliant yeah we'll we will link to all that and make sure people know how to find it oh you guys i'm telling you such a good dude i love hearing him talk about his faith and his family and the mission that he's called to and i'm just yeah i'm super impressed uh it, it, it You know, there's some of these friends of ours that we know from a distance or we know on the internet. And then when you get up close, you're afraid they're like a Monet and you get up close. It's not, um, it's just a mess. And they have made this thing where they're from a distance. They're one thing and there's something different up close. And I just keep being so impressed when the people that are um, impressive at a distance are more impressive up close. And that's how I feel about Scott. I just am, um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm the president of his fan club. I'm so, so impressed. And I think you guys are going to love his new book, Thirst, so make sure you grab a copy of it today. It's it's, sto- it's the deeper version and so much more of his story and and really how he built Charity Water and, and who he became in the process, and I think that is just a really beautiful, beautiful story, so make sure you grab a copy. Hey, if there's anything I can do for you, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm Annie F. Downs all across the internet, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, F as in friends because I'm proud of my friends today. I'm feeling sentimentally proud but make sure you um yeah holler at me over there if there's anything i can do for you and make sure you follow scott and charity water and thank him for being on the show as well And if you get a chance, shoot this podcast to a friend of yours who you think might really enjoy hearing about it or share about it on your own social media, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you tell your friends what you love. That would mean the world. I'm really grateful. And if you get a chance and haven't pre-ordered Remember God yet, go ahead and do that so you can be one of the first people to get to hold a copy in just a few weeks. I'm still waiting for, I have one, but I'm ready for like a box. I'm ready to like be surrounded by them, but uh, make sure you grab a copy of my new book, Remember God. We will have a podcast episode coming up in just a few weeks that will um, tell you more about the book and kind of where it came from. Though those of you who are longtime podcast listeners who were listening with me um, as we were going in 2016 and 2017, you lived it. So you're with me and I'm really, really grateful. Okay. So as we always say, I hope you have a great weekend. Go out and do something that sounds fun to you. I'll tell you what I'm doing today. I am wearing my brand new glitter pink tennis shoes so that sounded fun to me today to help me on my Thursday so I hope you have a great day and hope you're wearing something fun I hope you do something fun and we will see you on Monday with Shannon Martin oh you guys are gonna love Shannon it's gonna be so fun we have a great week next week Shannon Martin on Monday and my favorite soccer commentator and friend Taylor Twelman so that's next week we will see you there